Breakers and welcome to the 46th episode of Project Studio Tea Break. I am Mike Senior and I am here with a man with an official energy quotient of 5.0. <laughs> yes, it's John Witten. <laughs> it's true. It's confirmed. It actually genuinely happened and that is pretty huge for me. Yeah, give us more details, John. Well, <laughs> some anonymous saint But How to Make a Mirror, my first single, onto the radar of, you know, a prince among reviewers a giant a giant if you will colossus <laughs> and my song has been featured has been reviewed on jazz fusion contemporary fusion sorry con- <laughs> contemporary fusion how could i how could i and i've been awarded a very respectable energy quotient uh, the measure by which these things are measured in the finest circles well and in brackets perfect energy quotient uh, right it was his monthly pick for most intimate vocal <laughs> And he had no doubt in his mind that DJs of all stripes will be spinning this on their playlists. I know. I just want him to show me where that club is. (laughs) That's a club I want to go to. I am left with the feeling that I always have after our dealings with contemporary fusion which is that we have been outfoxed every <laughs> single time. There's really nothing we can do because it's a really lovely review. And, it and is. For all that he he credits Ms. Williams, someone I, I don't know who they are. Apparently that's who does the high vocals on the side. It's just me sped up. Well, you see, I think you made a rod for your own back there because I think quite understandably, he took a look at the album cover, which is you and a girl doing a kind of a acrobatic dance thingy. <laughs> And came to the obvious conclusion. Now, now, okay, I must first just respond to this libel <laughs> that I was doing a dance thingy. Uh, that's me and a wonderful Dr. Cordinelli rehearsing for a professional wrestling match. Oh, well, there you go. Nothing more, nothing less. Which, by the way, I soundly lost. Um, <laughs> but yes, as you say, it's an understandable place to get to. And it looks like reviews for the um, Covent Garden show were good too. Oh, thank you. Yes, we definitely found our feet with that one. There's, there's a chance it's going to tour that. That would be really good fun. That's cool. You know, been working at this for a while, this show and kind of music in general. <laughs> so it's really nice to now be able to say that in, in three of the nation's major print newspapers, the places that I used to go for reviews, mm. in these same publications, three of them have referred to me as bearded. <laughs> Honest to goodness. Well, actually, this brings me on to my very favourite review quote. Oh, no. Oh, no. Of course you've read them. In the British Theatre Guide, uh, which says, The publicity material asks us to join this ragtag band of world musicians. Mm. Well, ragtag maybe, but not wild. Though some of the men are very hairy. (laughs) What? I just don't get what the whole heaviness shame thing was going on there's just there's, it seemed to be a riff that everyone was on I really did didn't it I mean was that the review that you wrote for them <laughs> <laughs> I know we would we, have would have put suave in there a lot more often and probably used the word a suit <laughs> um, three of the five male cast members had beards hmm. one of them had long hair you know <laughs> and I, 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 I wish I could join these dots for you well I mean to be fair It was drawn attention to by the fact that you were playing the fairy godmother. Okay, yes. And it could have been passing for 
gender stereotype if you had not been bearded? <laughs> well, so this is my deep down, honest belief of what happened. Is exactly as you say. I was playing not, in fact, the fairy godmother, but the fairy grandmother. I had a beautiful skirt mm. that designer Sam made, and I, I tried to buy, mm. and he wouldn't let me buy um, <laughs> because they, they keep these costumes on file. And I think that it was a way of saying that maybe I was a guy in a skirt or, or maybe I wasn't. And either way, it was fine. Yeah. Because I, I realized in the program and the press release, we didn't give pronouns. And we didn't give genders. But I just love this convergent evolution that three broadsheets all settled on bearded <laughs> as a way to say, look, what just what just is this person yeah. in a skirt? Well, how can we sum up what we saw without risking offending anyone? And they, they all found bearded and i'm kind of thrilled that they did <laughs> i'm now finally being recognized for someone with facial hair and what wings and as you mentioned the wings the wings were my favorite part of the show they were capacious oh. they stretched the entire width of the stage it looked like yes i mean there's a fabulous publicity picture that i will certainly post to the patrons <laughs> these are about two and a half meter long sticks um with beautiful silk hanging off them kind of like butterfly wings mm. and i am told that they were were made out of dowel mm. it felt like they were made out of rebar <laughs> <laughs> holding them open in a T-pose, then running around the stage and then trying to sing. Oh, wow. Honest to God, from the first day I found out I'd have them about three weeks before we opened the run, I did half an hour of jump rope before every single rehearsal wow. just to try and get in shape enough to not pant through my solo. <laughs> <laughs> Professional wrestling, eat your heart out. Well, there we go. It's obviously been too long <laughs> since me and Nelly had a proper face-off. So that was a huge amount of fun. And <laughs> thank you so much for picking out that gem of a review. <laughs> well, I guess we had hair. Well, I mean, it's not the only review that's on our radar. Oh, no. Was it not? No. Because today <laughs> is a momentous day. Is it really? I mean, there have been a number of earth-shattering firsts in the Project Studio Tea Break canon. My word. We've had our first patron. We've had our first press release. That we did, I remember both very fondly. And we have just had our very first Apple Podcasts review. Oh! <gasps> I know! It happened! <laughs> it happened! We're an actual podcast now! I know! My word. It's official! Uh, what's remarkable to me is knowing your schedule, Mike. When on earth did you find time to write it? Well, it's taken me four years, so... <laughs> 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 no, no, it came from Rich Simiska. Hi, Richard, thanks. And reads as follows. Wait, maybe thanks. I'm not sure yet. I appreciate your engagement with our content. <laughs> Further opinion will have to await a more informed briefing. It very nearly went without saying that this podcast, hosted by grizzled music technology warrior Mike Senior, he's already in my good books. Oh, that's nice. Is a must listen. If you're involved in the creation of modern music production, then you won't fail to be captivated by Mike's hilarious tales of good recording sessions gone wrong and bad song ideas regrettably seen through to completion. <laughs> <laughs> Come for the anecdotes. Stay for the toast foley. This sounds like a dyed-in-the-wool fan to me. But there's one more line. Mm -hmm. There is also another guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my word what's really really sweet about it mm. is that first of all i knew that you would love it as much as i did <laughs> yes absolutely he just is our kind of guy but somehow in the apple podcast thing he got the impression 
that that last line had been deleted from the review. Oh, right. And he was concerned that one of us had seen it. Oh, my word. And had taken offence. Well, I mean, I could understand you being a bit offended him spending that much of the review talking about me. I mean, it's, well, not, yes. it's not just the John show. <laughs> I could well believe that you and your administrative duties yes. found that and said, well, no, no, we don't need that sort of focus. It was several words. <laughs> they weren't even in brackets. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gosh. So what What did he do? He followed it up by email. Oh, bless his heart. He said, I now feel a bit of a tit in case John read that and took it at face value. <laughs> it wasn't my intention to offend or belittle John, who frankly keeps the podcast in the stratosphere by himself at times. <laughs> Big hugs, much love and gratitude to both of you. Equally. You are adored. You are adored. First for your joke and <laughs> then for your concern. What an absolute champion. When we're in the same country, I'm going to bake you cookies. <laughs> I'm going to bake really good cookies. And we have further calls for joy this month too. Because we have a new patron. <gasps> Hello, Duncan. Well, hi. Hello, Duncan. I'm, I'm, well, I'm John. That's Mike over there. <laughs> <laughs> That's the other guy. That's, sorry, I'm some other guy. I've been described as bearded and other. Well, <laughs> obviously, with each new patron, there can only be one question in our minds. Oh, my. I'm losing at the moment, aren't I? Is Ludovico Einaudi an irredeemably unscrupulous hack peddling a threadbare musical formula for... <laughs> For cash, as posited by me, mm-hmm. or a genuine artist enriching the world with beautifully framed melody, as John would have it. I mean, how could anyone deny? <clears throat> no, I'm being too defensive. All right, bring it on. Well, Duncan comments. This was a tough one. My inner cynic <gasps> okay. kept telling me that it's ridiculously simplistic hackery. But, but. But alas, I couldn't help myself. <gasps> I just find his stuff too pleasant and lovely not to side with John. See, Duncan, that's it. That's it. These. Oh. <laughs> These cynics, these these jaded husks would have us believe that anything pleasant is bad. That if it doesn't challenge and break and, and bruise us, then it's not art. Fight to them. These clean-shaven, dead-eyed... <laughs> Pencil pushers, just desperate for feelings. So they've got their leg in a bear trap and are slapping their face with American cheese. No, it can just be, it can just be uncomplicated beauty. That's allowed. So what does that bring our scores to, Mike? That brings it to an epic six all, balanced on a knife edge. Thank you, Duncan. I needed that today. (laughs) To be honest, I kind of hope neither of us ever properly win this. Because (laughs) I think equal votes on both of those opinions is probably the most true thing you can say about Iron Audi. It's most representative. I think it's both, isn't it? Like, (laughs) (laughs) I think like the great yin and yang, we have captured the duality of truth. Mm. Thank you, Duncan. I'm, I'm going to be riding high on that for the rest of today. Yes. Take that, haters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have follow-up, of course, Ooh. as is often the case. And in particular, I would like to direct readers to the um, Sound on Sound January 2022 edition. I'm sure we're all intimately familiar with it. It was an important issue. It had reviews of the latest versions of Reason and Digital Performer. My word. Akai's NPC Studio, the SSL Big Six, and the latest Apple MacBook Pro. Seminal. But none of these were truly important enough to be trailed in the previous issue as coming next month. Because what was actually top of the bill was a picture of our stereo toast phone. (laughs) So not only did we top the bill in terms of sheer value, that picture of stereo toast being recorded appeared 
twice in the magazine, once in the December issue, and then at almost half a page in size in the January. We made it? I guess. I'm not sure what it means having that of all pictures in a major publication. <laughs> is this validating or does this just show us up for just how silly we really are? I'm, I'm... We've taken Toast Foley mainstream. <laughs> Does that mean we now need to find a new thing? Is it is is this now being so kind of co-opted by the big wigs? Could we have reached peak toast? <laughs> no, no, there'll always be more. Mm-hmm. Forty-six episodes in, my word. <laughs> we have been plugging away at this for four years, and finally are starting to get the recognition and single Apple Podcast review that we deserve. <laughs> Oh, another bit of follow-up. Yes, yes. Remember we talked about the uh, Nirvana Nevermind baby? Oh, I do, yes. Spencer Alden. I recall. And how he was suing Nirvana for um, child sex trafficking was the actual... Was that the charge? Yeah. My word. Um, And it's been thrown out by the judge. Okay. On the basis that Eldon has spent three decades profiting from his celebrity. They, they listed various things, like he's reenacted the photo for a fee on multiple occasions. Hmm. He's had the album title tattooed across his chest. <laughs> he appeared on a chat show wearing a nude-coloured onesie as a publicity stunt. Right. And he's sold autographed album copies on eBay. I mean, that does sound a bit like profiting, doesn't it? Just a touch. If one had to kind of pin down whether or not that was profiting. Also, and I don't know quite how they sleuthed this out, but apparently had you used his connection to pick up women. No. <laughs> Which is like, uh, okay, um, I'd like to see the paper trail there. It's not that I doubt the veracity, but it's just how exactly, or which office intern got given that job. Yeah. <laughs> we need, beyond a reasonable doubt, verifiable evidence that he hooked up with someone who wouldn't have hooked up with him were he not the Nevermind baby. There was some Nirvana camp catfish who <laughs> caught him out. <laughs> Perhaps that was it, just someone wandering back and forth in front of him in a Nirvana t-shirt. Mm. Just waiting for him to kind of try the pickup line. He's not been discouraged, though. Oh, no. Because he's refiled. Okay. This time, switching from child sex trafficking to child pornography. Right. So he's pursuing it even though it's been chucked out once. More power to him. And one interesting detail that did come up in the coverage that I hadn't known before. Mm. Apparently, the original image, mm. Nirvana paid $250 to the Alden family for. Really? Yeah. That's a pretty good return on investment as they go. But that's the thing with it, because you couldn't have known that it was going to be that big. No. At the time, they apparently wanted to shoot it as a cheap option. Wow, this was the necessity of being the mother of invention again. Exactly. <laughs> Which actually, I mean, teaser alert? Sure. Um, <laughs> has been a bit of a theme for me in this year's Grammy nominations. Oh, right. What people do when they can do absolutely anything and what people do when they can't necessarily. Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. I've got themes, Mike. <laughs> I've got through lines for days. Oh, that's good. It's good. I'm coming off a day and a half of listening to I don't know how many hours of music <laughs> and having opinions about it. It is, at last, time for our Grammy special, a once-a-year extravaganza where we do away with all of our normal segments. We leave the mailbag bursting. We leave our embarrassing (laughs) face palms to kind of gather dust. We spare our blushes for a month. Just for one month, we we get to not tell you about the silly things we've been doing. (laughs) And talk about the silly things other people have been doing. We place our own bets on who's going to come out on top, and we decide on the soul-crushing forfeit. Mm. That the loser of this competition is going to face. Oh, yes. So, are you feeling ready, Mike? I was born ready. <laughs> 
fantastic. We, of course, first have a really big thank you to make. Mm. We are grateful as a podcast and a media empire mm. to so many people who've helped us along our way. Obviously, our patrons. Our reviewer. Our reviewer. <laughs> our hordes of fan. But also just like the music industry, which has really come together behind us and what we're doing. And when it came out that we weren't going to be able to release our Grammy episode as early as we hoped... The Grammys very sweetly moved their award date to April 3rd, just, just to fit us in. And it's, you know, yeah. that's a logistical hassle and stuff. And I know what you're thinking, John, it's, it's the least they could do. You mm. guys are huge. And that's true. But like, mm. we do appreciate the effort they put in there. So as we're recording this and as you're hearing this, the winners have yet to be announced. Yes. So our cool shots are as free and unbiased and as unlikely to be correct as last year. <laughs> as ever. As ever it were. Um, I mean, our previous form was not spectacular. Oh, it wasn't great, was it? I mean, there's no way but up. <laughs> but if there is another way, I'm sure we'll manage to find it. Yeah. We've looked at record of the year, new artist, album of the year, and song of the year. Mm. Well, I'll be honest, what I've got here is notes on everything. Yeah. But I haven't actually picked my winner for each category yet. Oh, right. I'm going to save that until we've had a chance to chat about them. Sneaky. I can steal your best points <laughs> and then um, make my decision. So where do you want to start? Well, I mean, we might as well start with record of the year. Let's do that. But it seems to me like across the board, Olivia Rodrigo is kind of the one to beat. My gosh, she's everywhere, isn't she? That's the thing. Uh, last year... Apparently, more than half the year was either Adele or Ed Sheeran at UK number one. Mm. And before that, it was mostly Olivia Rodrigo. Wow. <laughs> that one song has been such a huge hit. And if you take the Grammys as being like a popularity contest in a lot of respects, oh, yeah. it's difficult to argue against that. Mm. It's like, can anyone get over the parapet of Olivia Rodrigo to me? I think that's true. I think <laughs> He said, making an analogy between Olivia Rodrigo and some kind of medieval fortification. <laughs> <laughs> and eloquently and convincingly so. Well, what's your views on it? Okay, yeah, so let, let, let's start there. We're out of the order that Wikipedia lists the nominations, so I'm completely befuddled and... Fabulous. ...directionless now. Well, you see, this is part of my tactics. This is why I'm, I'm trying to gaslight you into oh, the I wrong... Oh, I like it. This is four-dimensional chestlessness. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think much of it. Oh, right. It's a perfectly serviceable piano ballad with not very much to say. Right. I like her casual use of the word, sorry, Errol, yep. in I Still Love You, Babe. A hell of a lot better than Kid Leroy's. Well, <laughs> yes. But I really think there's something here because lyrically, mm. that word has been so out of sync with how it appears verbally. Verbally, it's such a part of everyday life in yes. so many people, especially young people's chat. It doesn't have to have any emotional weight at all. Yeah. And so it was genuinely exciting for me to hear it just used in the flow of a sentence. Without it being used as an obvious swear kind of thing. So the mo thing that excites me most about this song is that about 2.20, there's a quote from Hosier's Take Me to Church. <laughs> okay. It's gorgeous. It, it's that kind of finish on the one of the minor. Yeah. And then it hangs, and then you got Burbum down at the sixth chord. Yeah, yeah. Which seems like a comparison you don't want to draw. <laughs> because I would love to hear from Spotify how many people did exactly what I did at that point of the song, which was to pause it and look up Hosier and listen to <laughs> Take Me to Church, which is and was and whatever will 
be a brilliant song. <laughs> it's a bit like halfway through a long, boring play reminding everyone that they've got Netflix on their phones. It's like mediocre singer-songwriters doing a really good cover. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what do you love about this song, Mike? I love the fact that it's so simple and economical, mm. and yet there's some stuff that's quite clever in there too that is smuggled in. Production-wise. Like missing bars. Right. And the way the chords are changed at the end to kind of create a slightly different meaning and mm. and the fact that the middle section has na 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 in there in really slow form mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I just kind of think no that probably wasn't unintentional <laughs> also to be fair the um, vocal editing and production is absolutely peerless in fact it's so good that I looked up the credits and reached out to the assistant engineer to ask him about his vocal editing amazing and ended up having an hour long conversation with him about it because it's so good what were your takeaways from that conversation it was a lot of validation actually because I'm quite anal about vocal production right kill surprise (laughs) (laughs) but he was basically saying yeah it's a lot of very careful work to make sure that something sounds beautifully in tune and in time or whatever and yet Mm -hmm. still sounds human like a performance I mean, look, no one could say that this was... No, no one, not even I, would claim that it was poorly put together. Well, I mean, see, this is where it comes down to Record of the Year, you see. Because there has to be a distinction between Record of the Year and Song of the Year. Yeah. And so if you take it as the record production as well as the song, then the production on the Olivia Rodrigo track is good if understated. But is it too understated to make a splash with the voting committee is the question. But, you know, as you know, and I to a lesser extent know, to produce so much and so well on such a minimal song <laughs> is in some ways so much harder than, than to do that same job when, when there's a hundred things going on. Yeah, and actually that was one of the things that impressed me about that song is that it uses very, very few chords, yeah. but actually uses them quite intelligently. Yeah. You know, there are plenty of songs in the charts now that just use four chords in a cycle and you kind of yawn yourself to death. But there's more to that song for me. I'm going to go back and I'm going to have a re-listen. It, it's not my pick, as I think can be clear. And actually, I would agree agree with you that I don't think it's quite worthy a record of the year because I think it's slightly pipped probably by Lil Nas X with Montero. A beautiful segue as they go. Obviously the other Montero not the um, <laughs> not the dance music <laughs> version that I originally reviewed. Although no denying that that's got its place in the books as well. <laughs> so I love Lil Nas X. I know I love him because I love watching his interviews Mm. and his posters are up all over Berlin Mm. and they're like nothing you've ever seen. Like not billboards, but just kind of pasted onto walls. I think we send out an army of workers to paste stuff on. And a lot of them are like two thirds real life size, just his body. Yes. In the shape of his body. It's not a rectangle. It's just him. Oh, right. Cool. And there is no text. It's just him nude with like some sun flare stopping it from being illegal. Yes. No words, no link, no QR code, no nothing. It's gorgeous. So what do you think he's selling there exactly then? (laughs) (laughs) This is it though, isn't it? Like this song, it's Flamenco Trap, which is a really cool idea that Rosalia did better three years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like him as an icon. I like him in the way I like Bob Dylan and Damien Hirst. Yes, but I think there's a lot of variety in the record production itself, which is one of the Mm. the things that makes me think, you know, it's been a huge song as well. As you say, the production is deep and gorgeous and it's well done. It does feel to me like a bit of a Rosalia rip. 
you know, it's got palmas, it's got flamenco guitar, it's got kind of throbbing deep bass. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of her thing, but she does do it better. I mean, maybe I'm being, I'm distracted by the video, which is really good. The video's amazing. That'll be a hot tip for video of the year. I imagine it'll walk away with it. Yeah. I really do. Like, it's magnificent. Yeah. But much like the incredible production on Driver's License that I can't help feel was just Gosh, what a lot of effort to go to for a song which leaves me cold. It surely isn't the most threadbare of the songs here, though. You and your segues, they're just gorgeous. I mean, what is your ropiest in the songwriter department in this opening record of the year thing? Okay, I mean, the one that upset me most, (laughs) let's jump on there, is I Still Have Faith in You by ABBA. This is a deep trough of... Are we going to come to blows? No, no, not necessarily, but go on. So, like... I can can kind of see why this one is here. It's a COVID song. Hmm. It's about we're still resilient and we're going to make it through. But that's not what it's about. It's about, oh, look, Abba's back. Well, it's nothing to do with anything else. I think it's absolutely a COVID song. I think it's a nostalgia song. Yeah. And to its credit, I've got to say, from the melody alone, it is an Abba song. Yes. It sounds like Abba. But there are so many ABBA songs to choose from. Yeah. And they are all available wherever you're listening to this. Yeah. Why the <laughs> hell would you choose this overproduced, overarranged, overinstrumentalized? You know, once you've got the rousing snare and then the electric guitar solo, and you've completely lost me. <laughs> what are you doing? It's not good, Mike. Well, you see, I have a theory here about this song. Tell me. Because I, I don't like it either. I think it's rather weak. I think this song is part of Bjorn Ulvaeus's bid for immortality. Okay, okay. You, this whole new spectacular thing that they're doing with the whole show where they've got this residency in this purpose-designed arena. Mm. They're doing this ABBA live show, but they're not going to be performing in it. Mm. They've done stuff in motion capture suits, which literally look no more ridiculous than some of the stuff they wore in the 70s, the skin-tight motion capture suits. <laughs> and then they've created these admittedly still slightly hideously uncanny valley mm. avatars, they call them. Avatars, that's beautiful. But think about it, right? You've got the show that runs itself. Yeah. You've got the avatars that are their kind of digital things and that can do subsequent tours and whatever else. Yeah. Think how advanced now deep fake technology is on vocals (laughs) and then combine that with a song that clearly sounds like it's come out of an AI song generator that was fed by their back catalogue. Ooh. (laughs) It's the ABBA machine. This is the beginning of the rise of the machines is what you're telling me. The (laughs) ABBA-nator. At the end of this series, we learn that it was never ABBA. It was A.B.B.A, and it stands for something really kind of black mirrorish. And <laughs> but I mean, honestly, it's like got harmonies from I don't know, Thank You for the Music or whatever. There's yeah, there's definitely. like those rhythmic backing vocals that you get in like Chikatita and Take a Chance on Me. Mm-hmm, it's got mm-hmm. the snare from Fernando, oh, wow. and of course the absolute wonderfulness of those Swedish accents. <laughs> <laughs> and and I was so excited. It's got a five syllable word in the lyrics. <laughs> Oh, if you look, I think is it inconceivable. I think it's inconceivable. Nicely caught. It is the AI ABBA. <laughs> I could so believe that. But that's a reason to vote against it, because I think on principle, humans of the world unite against AI ABBA. Against the machines. This, by the way, is a great example of the literal opposite of necessity being the mother of invention. 
you know, this human or an AI, you know, we can't say for sure, but it was an AI, spits out a piano part and vocal line that sound like something you'd sing in a school assembly. Yeah. A Church of England hymn. Yes. Whereas anyone with any limit to their means would have to start over and have another idea. There's clearly just so much money behind this. We'll just pay a number of extremely talented producers to make this something. Yes. And they did. And I guess it is. But if it wins record of the year, I'm going to be absolutely distraught. Although I think musically, I don't think any of these songs can be musically as threadbare as Justin Bieber's Peaches. <laughs> I mean, honestly. There's not a huge amount going on there, is there? Again, I have another theory here. Okay. If you look at the chords, mm-hmm. they're all white note chords. Mm. They're all sevenths. And the roots go F-E-D-C. And I wonder whether Justin Bieber was just sitting in his studio one day with one of those home arranger (laughs) keyboards and had it switched to seventh chord and was just like hitting single, like one finger bass line. I thought, oh, I'll use that. That's amazing. Seems to me like the lowest rent chord progression ever created. (laughs) (laughs) You're not wrong. Yeah, okay, what can we say about about this song? It's, as you say, it's... um... There it is. It's the one sound review. Yeah. The no word review. It's weird to hear Justin Bieber <laughs> try his hand at kind of modern R&B and sort of mumble rap. I don't think he's very good at it. The people who I feel like Justin Bieber is trying to kind of scrabble after, they're not even doing it anymore. Ah. They stopped a couple of years ago. And now Justin's like finally got, got all his get togethers run down on the street. Like, let me play. Let me. <laughs> um, He's got the message. I said it's got over a billion plays on Spotify. So, yeah, I don't know. That's the Bieber effect, isn't it? Nah, that could well be the Bieber effect. But, I mean, while we can accuse him of being a little bit late to the party, yeah. uh, if that were going to be a metric for failure, <laughs> Lady Gaga and Tony Bennett might have, <laughs> might have them beat. What did you reckon to I Get a Kick Out of You? I have enormous respect for Lady Gaga. Mm. Some of the stuff she has done, mm. just in terms of the image stuff she's pulled, moving into acting, I saw her do an absolutely tremendous version of Superstar live for a Stevie Wonder tribute thing. Oh, wow. You know, she's just got this incredible range of stuff. But this is finally the point at which she bites off more than she can chew. (laughs) 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 And, you know, I wouldn't have put money on Tony Bennett, Mm. who must be, I I don't know, he's fossilised by now, right? He's 95. 95! (laughs) That's insane because he sings Lady Gaga off the record. And it's incredible. (laughs) I had to look it up. I think she starts it off mostly. Yeah. I mean, he sings a little bit kind of low, but then she kicks the song off properly when the band comes in. Mm. And you think, yeah, this is pretty solid stuff of hers. And then Tony Bennett comes in Mm. and you go, oh, no, that's what a real star performer in this style sounds like. And then he keeps on, his range keeps on extending. He keeps doing these insanely high notes. And it doesn't (laughs) sound like, you know, these horrible situations we've had with like Barbara Streisand or Paul McCartney putting out records Mm. where they've obviously had to try so hard with the technology to make them sound even vaguely in tune or whatever and it sounds horrible and this sounds like no one's messed with it at all Mm. irrespective of whether they have and it sounds (laughs) incredible I was completely blown away by Tony Bennett and thought Lady Gaga has also been blown away by Tony Bennett irrespective (laughs) of the fact that she does a perfectly serviceable job I was going to say it's not bad what she does no but it's a standout performance from the 95-year-old Tony Bennett. It's like a poison chalice, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's like doing a guitar duo with Eric Clapton. Or... It's like asking people to think of Hosier's Take Me to Church while you're playing <laughs> Driver's License. It's just, <laughs> you can't survive the comparison. No. All of that said, do we need another big band recording or I get a kick out of you? God, no. Is this the best 
big band recording of I Get a Kick Out of You. And actually, this is going to be one of my thematic threads. And it ties into the Bruno Mars and Anderson Park. Okay. He said, segueing seamlessly as yes, always. Yes, I mean, we're did. on fire today. We are. We're, um, <laughs> we're going to only have left the really difficult ones to segue to at the end, but that's okay. We'll find a way. <laughs> Mornington Crescent. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> but yeah, so it's like the, the Bruno Mars one as well. Mm. I have made a number of predictions in my life about what's going to happen in the future. Oh, yeah. And this one has blindsided me because my theory was that there was going to be a bit of an artistic crisis of confidence amongst songwriters and musicians now that an entire generation was growing up with all music that was ever available and has ever been done available all the time. Right. Which never existed before. No. Always things receded into obscurity and that just isn't happening anymore. No. And I had thought it's basically going to make it almost impossible to just redo like, you know, The Darkness redid ACDC or, you know, <laughs> you, you're not going to be able to do that anymore because people will go, well, we've got that already. Yeah. We don't need you to do it. And yet we have this Tony Bennett, Lady Gaga thing yeah. clearly must have sold records. We've got Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack. Mm. I mean, it's a little bit knowing, a little bit comedic but totally doing a 70s hot-buttered soul record. Yeah. It blows my mind because I think, well, yeah. it's almost like even though the, all the stuff that has ever been made is there and has always been there and can always be accessed, I think because there's so much of it, mm. a load of it is still falling into obscurity with people just because there's overwhelm. Yeah. So what previously used to be just a lack of supply has been replaced by overwhelm. So people don't know this stuff, not because it isn't there, but because everything's there. <laughs> and so I will put my hands up and say, I think I completely got that wrong. And I think we may be in a situation that is not that dissimilar to the way it was, but for different reasons. Right. Because rather than people not being able to find old buttered soul records because there aren't any in their local record store, yeah. they can't find them because there's too much other stuff. And like, yes. yeah. Where does one start? It's buried. The thing that's crazy about it is that it's not like a modern take on the stuff. Mm. It is literally sounding like a 70s record <laughs> that has maybe been remastered or something. It's astonishing to me that that got through the production process, and yet it did, and I think it's been quite successful. And you go, <laughs> okay, I need to reevaluate my views on, on the way the music creation process works. I think part of the fun of this is getting to see Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack just kind of try this on. Yes. As you say, it's very nearly just a straight performance of 70s music but there is some delicious tongue-in-cheek bits oh yes which i appreciate very much yeah um lines like freshly shaved smooth like a newborn <laughs> just far more graphic than we needed um and my, my favorite couple you like to smoke i've got the haze you feeling hungry i've got the lays got the lays yes which for non-us people that's walkers that's him saying he's got walkers crisps on offer i've got the salt and vinegar i got a family pack of salt and vinegar ready to go it it's endearing. I think it really is. It's hard to listen to the song and not and not root for them. But in a way, that's what makes what ABBA are doing so mean spirited mm. because they're stopping anyone from doing that with them. Right? Because if if they just keep on doing it for them, then that'll be all it is. And I can't think of anyone who's really doing ABBA. How how could you while they're doing ABBA? Admittedly, they're doing it badly. So if you could do it better, maybe <laughs> out ABBAing ABBA. I I feel like it's quite doable at this moment in time. We need to found a new. New band called Bookab. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Bacab. Yes, agreed. I think it's going to be amazing. But speaking of songs that draw wholesale from an established tradition, yes. but do it pretty well, let's talk about Freedom by John Baptiste. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's Marvin Gaye. It's... Well, it's all the best bits of Blurred Lines, isn't it? So that's saying the same thing, but different right? words. <laughs> different <laughs> Has it been long enough now that we can just do that again? <laughs> oh, I think so. And But properly. Just proofread the words. Let's just have a do-over. I love it. It's really great. It, oh, yeah. I think it's a tremendous track. Now, this is only the second track I listened to. So maybe my <laughs> standards were a little high. I think they, they lowered <laughs> as I got through the list. But something I landed at is that I, I love the Marvin Gaye stuff. I love the Miles Davis stuff. I love the kind of Amen Break age of horn gospel. But for me, it's a bit like a salad of goat's cheese and pomegranate and balsamic reduction and walnuts and like fresh leaves and stuff. That's going to taste amazing. Right. Because it's a bunch of tasty things in a bowl. Okay. Would you call that the dish of the year? Would you give a chef an award for putting goat's cheese, walnuts, pomegranate, balsamic and leaves in a bowl in front of you? The thing I like about it is that the act of synthesis is in itself a work of art. Mm. I mean, this could have been my pick for record of the year. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so many records that feel like they're confections that don't work. Mm. And it just feels like uh, it's a joy to listen to. It is a joy to listen to. And it it may be miserly to complain. But, But you're right. It doesn't feel modern in some respects. If you told me that this song was 15 years old, I'd have no trouble believing it. Well, I would have a little bit because of the vocal styling. Right. You see, that's what pulls it over the edge for me. And it's and it's the same across the whole record, is that the, the range of vocal styling is just enormous. Mm-mm. But it's maybe just not future-looking enough to really get record of the year. Mm. And also, I'm not sure actually how well it's sold. So if you just take it on commercial basis... Well, God, like... if, he, if he's an underdog, then I think it should get record of the year. <laughs> if it's over a billion plays, then I think it shouldn't. That's, that's where I'm... Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's joyful. It's a pile of really delicious things. Yes. Speaking of songs that there's like a lot to say about, have you got anything at all to say about Right on Time by Brandy Carlisle? Not really. Yeah, no, my first note is, okay. <laughs> and then I made a second bullet point, after which I didn't write anything. So, um... Oh, well, I have three bullet points. Oh, yeah. Yep, my first one is, can't spell Carlisle properly. <laughs> <laughs> second is, nice use of reverb. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Third is... But otherwise a bit missable and generic, question mark. Yeah, all right. Oh, let's, let's. It's like damning indictments all round. But the difficulty is that this, for me, comes in the context of a previous Grammy winner, The Joke. Right. Which was a cracking song and a really cracking performance. And this one, and also the duet that she does in Song of the Year with Alicia Keys. Oh, yeah. Neither of them felt that strong to me. That's a beautiful noise, which I am going to spit vitriol at in due time. <laughs> so, so, yeah, that's a forgettable nothing song. What was not a forgettable nothing song for me, these segues are getting sloppy, I can feel it. <laughs> Happier Than Ever by Lana Del Rey. The beginning could have been Lana Del Rey, you're right. Oh, sorry. Happier Than Ever by Lord. <laughs> I almost admire the barefaced cheek of someone as big as Billie Eilish seeing someone as big as Lana Del Rey and just going like I'll have that yeah I like Lana Del Rey I like Lord I like this song yeah a lot like the production in the first half you know it almost sounded like it was on a wax cylinder or whatever yeah I loved that and I love that they committed to it you know oh yeah really lent in I definitely agree with you there there's boldness written all over this track yeah on so many levels it's essentially two songs in my head yes and straight away that's a ballsy move right and they pull it off 
Oh, they pull it off so well. But the second half doesn't really ever repeat anything. <laughs> it's like, you know, if you try to put it in sections like A, B, A, B, and then C, D, E, F, G, H, I, you know. I was going to say, it's just an alphabet. The whole end of the song is all different bits. And yeah. it's the same chord progression. It's like, <laughs> it blows my mind, actually, how they pulled it off so successfully. I went back, I listened to it again, which, when there were this many songs on my listening list, was about as high a compliment as I could pay a piece of music. Yeah. She's lyrically still great, still saying stuff that other people aren't saying yep. the most popular genre incidentally in this year's Grammys is very rich man who's very in love <laughs> uh, leave the door open Peaches and Montero are all examples right. of that and what they've all got in common which is quite fun is that there's very little said about the object of their affection Yes, and this might just be a broad appeal thing so that this can apply to whoever you like Yes, or it might just be a mark of their obsession with their mansion yeah. over the actual person they want to come to the mansion yeah. but here's Eilish with this beautiful sad story very Lana Del rey story actually and she tells it and I, I don't know it's so it was so refreshing. You actually believe her when she's singing the stuff. Yeah. And there's so much empty performance of songwriting that you go, yeah, whatever. It's a good beat. Yeah. But you believe that she means it. Yeah. Top dollar song, I reckon. But it's interesting because for all that I like it, I wondered about the whole album because it's in the album thing as well. It's in the album. Yeah. And I just wonder whether she settled into being herself in a way that in the first record she hadn't. And I think the first record was more exciting as a result. She's got a line in her first song of that album, which is, Things I once enjoyed now just keep me employed. I don't know that she entirely disagrees with your point. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Part of what was amazing about the earlier stuff was that it didn't feel entirely comfortable. It was like coming into being. You got to watch this new sound Mm. and this new attitude come into being. And obviously when they did it, it was dangerous in a way. Like, is anyone going to like this? Is anyone going to listen to this? And now she's Billie Eilish and everyone's going to listen to this. It just doesn't quite have the punch of the earlier stuff. Although to what extent... That is actually just now having lived for a few years in a world influenced by Eilish. It's Eilish fatigue. Eilish fatigue. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Which means that we've saved my favourite one to listen to to last. I cannot stop repping for Doja Cat. I know. Oh, Mike, I just love her. I love everything she does. <laughs> so I listened to these in the order that Wikipedia listed the nominees. Yeah. Yeah, which means that Doja Cat followed Brandy Carlisle. <laughs> so I was so ready. You were primed okay and this is what i mean about about quote unquote innovation because this for me clearly has its roots in that retro japanese funk thing that plastic love started a while ago and then right everyone did it for a bit and katie perry did feels and i mean doja cat did say so and yeah there was, there was plenty of it and this is that but it's moved the needle it's not like any other actual song mm. i loved it what do you think? It is a good track. I will grant you that. <laughs> now, oh, it's difficult because now talking to you makes me think about changing my choice. Ooh. But this brings us to the end of the record of the year list then. That's true. So where does this leave you then? So for me, it's between Leave the Door Open. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, that's up there for me. All right. Uh, happier Than Ever. Kiss Me More. And as I said, Kiss Me More, I just broke into the biggest smile. It's got to be that. Right. I may never be able to justify it. But any song that makes me smile that much just when I say the name, is going to be my record of the year. Oh, it's so tough. I mean, you could have talked me round maybe onto that, but I think we've got to choose different things. Okay. And I, oh, 
I think I'll probably stab myself through the eye socket if Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack win, just because it's like, I don't want to go that direction. You don't want music to go that direction? In, irrespective of the fact that you can get away with it, <laughs> it doesn't make me want to encourage people to do that. Oh, so you're actually hoping for this crisis of confidence, that it would push people into more innovative spaces. I mean, I just thought this could be a golden age of invention, and to a certain extent it is, Yeah. but it was different than I expected it to be. Mm. But there are people doing unreconstructed tribute tracks. I mean, like there was one from that... Um, one of the new artist people, uh, Japanese Breakfast. And one of the tracks I listened to was just an unreconstructed 80s pop track. Yeah. It's like if, if someone had said that was Cindy Lauper, I would have gone, oh, yeah, okay. another Cindy Lauper song. <laughs> so, no, I think I'm probably going to regret it. Okay. But I'm going to go for Montero still. Was that what you were thinking originally? I mean, it's difficult to bet against Olivia Rodrigo, though. But I kind of feel I'd rather vote for her in Song of the Year, actually, than Record of the Year. Because I think... Montero is more interesting as a bit of record making but Doja Cat could definitely get it I think I might have backed a losing horse we'll find out which is <laughs> which is quite a suitable analogy given that it's Lil Nas X and um, I'm going to take my horse down Old Town Road or whatever it is <laughs> Okay, so we've dealt with record of the year. And given that a lot of the contenders are quite similar, how about we head on to the song of the year from here? Okay, let's jump into that. How do you see the difference? Oh God, it's so hard, isn't it? Yeah. I said to you last time that my measure for song of the year is how would you feel if any of these songs was performed live by a solo singer-songwriter? And I don't think that's a bad test. It's imperfect in a lot of ways, but that's what I've got. How about you? What's your metric for this? What would there be if you wrote it down on manuscript? It's kind of my gauge for it. Mm. It's the bit that they went into the studio with. I like that. Okay, in that case, we have to start with Ed Sheeran then. I mean, it's been a huge hit. This is bad habit. Like, he can do everything. And here's the one thing that maybe he hadn't done yet. And he, he's written the club banger. Mm. If David Guetta did this track, I think nobody would notice. Yeah. And I think that's why it's a worthy nomination. Because Ed Sheeran did it. But you see, that to me disqualifies it from song of the year into record of the year. <laughs> I think it's in the wrong category on those grounds. Because the thing that makes a David Guetta song a David Guetta song is mostly the record production right that and stealing the chord progression from Hotel California <laughs> <laughs> which as far as I'm aware Bad Habits hasn't done not, not so far as I can tell Although it's got the same sequence as A Beautiful Noise by Alicia Keys and Brandy Carlile. What? Bad Habits? Yeah, which is kind of funny to me. <laughs> that is amusing. I've noticed that. It's 136 <laughs> in a minor key. I love it. I think the reason why Bad Habits is, I don't know if it's my song of the year, but it's a really worthy one as well, is that it's pretty transparent. There are, as far as I can tell, three elements. Yeah. And one of them is a kick drum. Yeah. One of them is a vocal melody. And one of them is this... And that's it. It is Spartan production. And it held my attention from start to finish. Like, yeah. with three elements, I think that does it for me. Maybe it doesn't need to have any tricksy moves in it. I mean, because it's clearly translated into sales and everything. It's, it's been a huge hit. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, that's a strong contender, I agree with you. Oof. And certainly if you're following the popularity contest argument, then that's about the only one that could slug it out with driver's license. Well, yeah, just in terms of the impact, the penetration into the market. What what for you was like it was a standout in this category? Definitely driver's license for me. Yeah, this and potentially best new artist are the areas where I would fancy Olivia Rodrigo. I mean, this is just the subjectivity of music. I don't care for driver's license as a song, and that's the interesting thing about it is that it's not my favourite song in Song of the Year. Mm. 
<laughs> I just think <laughs> it's got to win something just for being so enormously successful. Being so absolutely huge. And I fancy it more for Song of the Year than for Record of the Year. Yeah. What about um, Fight For You? The one with H.E.R.? I like her. It's funky throwback vibes. Yes. I put it in a category with A Beautiful Noise, the Alicia Keys and Brandy Carlisle, in that they are both thoroughly empty take action songs yeah because they're all kind of take a stand and say what you mean and you have a voice and you need to use it uh, it's explicitly in alicia key's case uh i have a voice it's for calling out the wrong no one is saying what we need to hear they even say yeah these are people with platforms i have no idea what their politics are in any cases but they could say something yes they could refer to a single person issue event <laughs> in these incredibly high profile songs there's nothing specific to now in them absolutely nothing like all that all there's injustice in the world today someone ought to be doing something and it gives you that slight kind of uncomfortable feeling that they're not just writing it to be a comment about now they're writing it to be a kind of a reusable torch song in future yeah I th- the, for that broadest appeal and the, and the lack of specificity makes it less powerful it completely castrates it for me and actually that's where in the last grammys listing anderson pack's lockdown was so strong yeah absolutely Absolutely broke through because he was talking about tangible things and it was so refreshing. <laughs> Actual unemployment numbers. I don't know. I, I, am, I would be happy not to say another word on A Beautiful Noise or Fight For You. Okay. Yeah, hollow, hollow songs to me. And we've talked about all of the other ones. So, I mean, that sounds to me a little bit like you're fancying bad habits. Of course, Kiss Me More is still in there. Yes, it is. Happier Than Ever is still in there, which I think is a stronger song than it is record. Yeah. I called it first last time. I'm pretty sure this is your call. Oh, I'm definitely driver's license. Oh, really? Yeah. Heavens. All right. So I actually really rate driver's license, both as a song as a production. I think it's brilliant. That's a huge relief that I don't need to worry about you getting a point in this one. (laughs) Takes the pressure off me choosing. Um, I think this one should go to... Oh... Brandy Carlisle, of course. Brandy Carlisle. I mean, I knew it would be. For both of the songs. How has she got two songs on Song of the Year? It's just upsetting. She split the quality between two numbers and that was where she (laughs) fell down. And then released neither of them. Um, (laughs) uh, It's between Kiss Me More and Bad Habits for me. Tough choice. And I'm going to fly my flag up the Doja Cat one more time. Oh, wow. Okay, right. Doja Cat's going to do well following your tips. I'm stacking the bet. Wow, great. Or maybe after we finish making our bets, we can have a quick look at what the gambling odds are. I'd be really <laughs> yes, curious that'll to that'll be know. fun. I think we should jump now to album because that's got most of the people that we, we were already talking about. Yes. I don't know, my, my eternal disclaimer on this one is that the only way to kind of get a sense of an album is to listen to it two or three times. Mm. And I have not listened to all ten of these albums throughout two or three times. I've listened to one of these albums one time too many. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let, let me have a quick guess. There's a couple I think it might be, actually. <laughs> and there's also one album I make no apology for not having listened to. Oh, me too, and I expect it's the same one. <laughs> <laughs> Let's jump straight in with We Are by right. John Baptiste, which kind of you've tipped your hand a bit already. Quite a fan, am I right? Oh, yeah. I mean, that is my choice. Okay. Definitely. It's got such range and such soul, and the vocal performance is spectacular. It's a feast. It's a musician's musician record, and also one that just grooves and is has got character, and it's fun, and it's... Yeah, I, I've listened to that like three times now. 
It's just great from start to finish. I really enjoy it as well. Like in looking for critiques, which is an odd way of listening to music. There, there are moments like in um, Show Me The Way yep. and, and a couple other tracks where it feels slightly less than the sum of its parts. Right. You know, it's easier for me to list 10 things I like about the thing that I'm listening to yeah. than it is for me to sit back and just love it. Right, yeah. But it's a great album. But it's tough because it's the album that is going to lose me a point because, <laughs> <laughs> because I so want it to win that I'm going to vote for it and I just think I'm playing the long odds. You think it's not actually going to win? I mean, you've got Swifty in there for a start yeah yeah honestly it would be a great consolation if swifty won just so it could be an enormous <laughs> you to kanye west <laughs> <laughs> sorry sorry kanye i'm gonna let you finish it also just might be some great grammy ceremony shenanigans again on the back of that <laughs> but i mean I, I wouldn't feel that it were wrong if she won it or if olivia rodrigo won it or billy eilish won it or doja cat or yeah there are lots of people who could be worthy winners Mm-mm-mm-mm. But, oh, I so wish he did, because I think it's the best record. It's the record I've enjoyed listening to most of all. That's a worthy reason for a vote. Although props to you, because I probably a close second is Doja Cat, because that record's splendid too. Do you think so? If I were more of a betting man, more of a sensible betting man, I think Doja Cat will probably be my tip. So yeah, you reckon Doja Cat might be in with a good chance? Again, I think I might be backing the wrong person here. As your friend and long-time collaborator, I sincerely hope that you are. <laughs> I, I love Planet Her. I've listened to it a few times. Part of what I like about it is that I don't feel like Doja Cat is striving to be understood or to reveal her innermost. Yeah. It feels like she's an entertainer producing some excellent entertainment. Mm. Uh, she doesn't want us to be her best friends. She wants us to buy her concert tickets. What you see is what you get. Yeah. She's a WYSIWYG star. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't have put it better myself. I mean, come on. It, it opens with woman and Kiss Me More is the closer. It, it barely matters what's in the middle. But there's a lot of strong stuff in there. And it's got range as well. Oh, yeah. H.E.R.'s album. I quite liked mm. And it's got lovely production and sound design and all this kind of stuff, but it didn't feel like it had that much range. Mm. There are a few songs I liked, but there was too much that just felt like it was treading water. I know what you mean. I enjoyed dipping in and out and found myself enjoying the same things about each song. But that wasn't enough to kind of carry me through the album. I did find myself wondering whether it was just one of those records that's cooler than it is good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's very beautifully said. Yeah, everything is super cool with the production choices. And mm. you just get the impression that everyone looks effortlessly suave and expensive and at the same time <laughs> gritty and down to earth and incredibly photogenic. Just all the things. Yeah, but it's a glossy snow globe is kind of what it is. Yeah, I couldn't really properly warm to it. I know, I know what you mean. Even though I kind of wanted to as well, because I've heard some great stuff of hers, and particularly last year. Harmonically, there's some really, really delicious stuff going on in there. That it's got some Esperanza Spalding vibes. Yes. Also NAO. Mm-hmm. But even as I was thinking those things, it was more in the sense of, oh, this makes me want to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> it was the same kind of hostage to fortune that we had in Olivia Rodrigo. Precisely. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's the thinking with Silk Sonic. Oh. <laughs> that they want to make it so much like the original you don't even need to go back into the original so there's no danger and actually you know it does that for me it makes me feel like I've listened to like a 70s song so it fully scratches the ear so do you think basically all it is is just a kind of a convenience store thing (laughs) you know by doing that record it means that you don't have to go and search and find the record that you knew you wanted to listen to all along yep I think you've got it in one 
The album that gave me literally nothing that I wanted, by contrast, and nowhere to go except just a different album, yeah. was Justin by Justice Bieber. Something like that. <laughs> by, by the right honourable Justice Bieber. <laughs> but you see, for me, there was only one line I needed to write about this album. Oh, do tell. Justin Bieber's Justice is not as good as Justin Timberlake's Justified. <laughs> <gasps> My first time was out Justin Timberlake's Justified as well. Oh, yeah. The problem is that the just-just kind of alliteration-y thing mm. makes a very unfortunate parallel with a record that is a hundred times better than this one. A <laughs> hundred times better. It'll be a bit like Dreykel Jackson doing Driller. <laughs> like, it's never going to work. <laughs> You're never going to come out well in that comparison. So I actually had I had a proper listen to this one, partly because when I was Googling around to see if it was like an intentional homage to Justified, mm. I found lots of people calling it kind of a daring political album that kind of confronts um, racism. And I was like, okay. Oh, it's not. It's not. Deep undercover. <laughs> yeah. Controversial. Master of disguise. Subversive. Really, really is. And one, you know, that the really talked about his religious beliefs. Oh, right. And I haven't studied every word of the album, but I'm pretty certain what's being referred to is that there is a, an excerpt from a speech by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in there. Like, it, it's its own track in which Martin Luther King just says, if you can't find something for which you're willing to die, then life isn't worth living, essentially. Right. Which it's masterful to have found something that he said that could also be kind of crocheted by someone on Etsy. It's this <laughs> zero content conviction. Again, yes. the words and the song that follows it could absolutely inspire me in following my beliefs. It could equally inspire someone with every opposite belief to mine and convince them that they were right and Justin was on their side, yeah. which makes that song appeal to twice as many people but it's cowardly yeah yeah you know again talking about how it's religious especially on the track hope which could be about a religious experience but equally could be about a new girlfriend yeah <laughs> conveniently in fact the only place where where kind of god is explicitly mentioned is in chance the rapper's verse right which is a great verse and he talks about religious experience in it. Mm. And it's really nice and refreshing because you hear someone talk about what they mean. Yeah. Justice by Justin Bieber is out for me. But of even less listening value to me was the much more explicitly stated uh, religious conviction of the Kanye West record. Well, let's talk about the Kanye West record. 27 tracks, almost two hours of playtime. That I will never get back. My word. Okay, I have skimmed this record at best. I listened to the whole thing. How are you? <laughs> Not happy about it. Right. If I had paid any money to listen to it, I'd want it back. <laughs> <laughs> As it is, it's just the fleeting moments of life. It's on the boundary of taking the p how much it wastes your time. Right. I mean, the opening track of someone just saying dunder 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 the whole time. <laughs> yes, I, I listened to that one in full. And to anyone who hasn't heard it, that's not an exaggeration. It's just someone saying dunder for a, a minute or so. So much of it felt so long for no reason at all. <laughs> it just made me feel like whatever this record is designed for, I don't understand. It's designed, I don't know, to be so stoned that you don't notice the passing of time. Right. And you only zone back in every five minutes and go, oh, this is a, this is a new track, and then go to the next. It, it's... <laughs> It just felt so low rent and taking the the concept of it's cool because I say so, right. stretching it beyond breaking point. In that case, it is at the very least consistent because in the half hour I spent skimming different tracks, that's also the impression I got. <laughs> and any track that can communicate its entire message in half an hour of skim lessons, 
you know, okay, well, that, thank you for taking the bullet so that I didn't have to. <laughs> Undeniably appreciated. Okay, then, well, seeing as we were talking about Taylor Swift in conjunction, what did you make of Evermore? So let me talk about my Taylor Swift experience. Yeah. So I, I saw about how long it was, and I was like, okay, I'll, I'll probably do. I'll listen to the first two or three tracks, then one or two in the middle, and then the last couple. Yeah. And so I stuck on the first one. And then before I knew it, I was checking my email. <laughs> And I was like, oh, wait, no, no, wait, no, come on, John, you meant to be listening to this stuff. And so, honestly, I was kind of halfway through track two, and I restarted track one, and I got out my notebook in which I'm taking notes about these different songs. You concentrated really hard. You... Really, really hard. And then just at that moment, I was like, wait, I'm cutting my toenails. <laughs> no word of a lie. I just kind of picked up a toenail clipper and set to work. I, I cannot focus on it. Music to clip toenails by. I mean, I can I... see the jacket quote. So my notes on this one were, it's a Taylor Swift album. Um, and I like, there's a lot of Taylor Swift. I like yes this isn't it like it, uh, there's it, lots of lyrics going on there's lots of emotions going lots of complicated messages and yeah. ideas in there yeah and it ends up just sounding like the Lego bits haven't been fit together properly yet by contrast someone who has absolutely clicked into place all the pieces they need to is Olivia Rodriguez or even Olivia Rodrigo <laughs> did I oh wait okay I'm not going to give you another re-record I'm going to keep that error on tape um <laughs> <laughs> it's so formulaic. She is post-breakup with a guy who promised her it would be forever. Yes. And he's fine. And she's sad. And that makes her angry. Yeah. And there's always another woman who this guy is with now and got with too soon. And it's normally someone who was in their life before when they were a couple and, and, and this one made her uncomfortable. Yep. And he said it was... It's, it's super validating stuff. Times 12. Or however many tracks are on the album. For a whole album. Yeah. It's like Avril Lavigne hasn't been doing this stuff for a bit. Let's have her do it. <laughs> and I, I love this sort of incredible clean pop punk like there's aesthetic feedback moments leading into like a chorus and stuff the yes the vocals sound loud that kind of sound live that there's yeah crowd sound that's been put in there bespoke distortion mm-hmm. on stuff it's got disney attitude thank you exactly <laughs> that i love the fact that it's so laser guided into its emotional niche Oh my god. It's pissed off and that's what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like this album. I genuinely do. It is such a solid album. It does what only a best friend could post breakup in the even that stuff that you feel which oh, it's not kind of technically true. It champions and cheerleads that anyway, like so explicitly in the lyrics. Yeah. And it's a whole album for that. Now, Olivia Rodrigo is strong workaday songwriting in this very laser-guided niche. Yeah. But I think the songwriting is better on Happier Than Ever. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree. It's got more range, certainly. I mean, you kind of think, if Olivia Rodrigo, if that represents what she is, she's a, it must be an incredibly depressing person to be around. <laughs> Whereas... With Billie Eilish, you kind of feel like, no, there's a wide range of emotions there. However much a lot of them involve flopping around like a daily clock. <laughs> yes. I like that about Happier Than Ever. It's one of the ones that was a pleasure to listen through to. Yeah. I was trying to keep a list of all the songs that used the minor four chord. Because that, <laughs> that was heavily employed yep. as, as necessary in such a melancholy bit of music. Mm. It's an album also which 
makes me excited to hear her next album. I know what you mean. Because the one thing it isn't to me is the same as her first. And that's exciting. And actually, another thing that makes me super excited to hear her next album is Phineas's most recent. Well, we'll come to him in Best New Artist. Wow. Wow is right. Yeah. But let's call these. I mean, the other one we haven't talked about is Love for Sale by Gaga and Bennett, but we've chatted on that one for enough. That was the one I listened to the one track and didn't bother listening to the rest because I was pretty sure what to expect. Okay, well, that's a bullet I took for you. You heard the whole album. Oh, great. So I called that one right. Yeah, you 300% did. I think you got the easier bullet, to be honest, if you did that rather than Donda. (laughs) (laughs) I think I probably did. So for me on this one, it's a three-way tie between Planet Her, Happier Than Ever, and Sour. Oh, right. Sour is the most fun of those. Right. But the one-noteness of it just doesn't quite get me there. Right. Planet Her by Doja is a collection of amazing songs, but what kills it for me is that it's not particularly an album. It's kind of the 10 most recent songs. And it's weird, actually, because it's almost like Olivia Rodrigo is too much an album (laughs) and Doja Cat is too little. And the third one, in my opinion, as as an album is kind of just right because I really appreciate albums where the first song literally does lead you into an album. Yeah. Like it it says, hey, in this essay I will. Yeah. And then it bloody does it. So I think not necessarily the songs I like most, but the best album is Happier Than Ever by Billie Eilish. Right. And Lana and Lord. Which brings us to the very best new artist. Right. I think I'm just going to tell you now that in a super strong field here for me, Aru Jaftab is a shoo-in. Now, that's a fascinating one because I also really rate her highly. Tell me what will appeal to you because there's something very specific that gets me. Okay, so... Although I do have some reservations. I have a couple myself. I had never heard of her. Always a good sign. And I go on and I think her top played tracks had about 10,000 plays. So I just started her most popular track. Yeah. And it's this single chord... But there's something of a groove. And she comes in and it's what I identify, I I associate as a Carnatic singing style. Mm -hmm. Beautifully done. Up and down this major mode. And I was just struck by how beautiful it was. Yeah. Simple. I could hear everything going on in the music. Yeah. And I told myself that the way of like doing new artist would be that I'd listen to a minute and I'd be quite strict with myself. A minute of as many tracks as I could per artist. Yeah. But I just couldn't stop with this one. I'm so glad I didn't. Yeah. And this song is called Mohabbat. At one minute, 20 seconds in, she hits the seventh degree of the scale for the first time. It's a flat seven. We're in a Mixolydian mode, which sounds so very dry and boring, but God, it was amazing. Yeah. It was so incredible when she hit that and it just blew my mind out the water. What was your mind doing in the water? (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't even realise I'd gone swimming. Um, So after listening to that, I was actually scared to go to the others because I was like, what if this is a one-off? Yeah. Or if the rest is awful? Yeah. And it's uneven, but there's nothing that I hate. Yes. And there's a lot that I love. Yeah. It's this incredible singing style Mm. over a variety of genres. Yes. I don't know if it's found a style like it, it does go her music goes so uh, all over the place is too unkind but like 
we go from slow scar to beautiful a cappella. But actually, I think this is an artist who can get away with it. Hmm. Because I think the fact that it's the first person I've really heard successfully coming into my consciousness, at least, with that kind of singing style hmm. over music that I have some familiarity with, that in itself makes it always recognisable. Hmm. But I said I had reservations with it, too. And there's far too much of the, oh, well, let's just stick down a pedal tone and switch the reverb up to 11. (laughs) And I just get really bored with people riffing into long reverbs over a pedal tone. I know what you mean, but just the voice, it's enough for me. The only person who really came close for me and could could have made me question that was actually Arlo Parks. Yes. Beautiful, introspective Lily Allen. I agree with you, yeah. That same ability to tell stories. That same easy delivery, like, I'm sorry I don't have two votes to give. <laughs> Although, it's interesting because, again, this made me came back to my, one of my little themes is this whole recreating of previous styles. It felt very 90s, hmm. the backing. Right. It was almost a little bit of that drum beat that was on every Dido song, the kind of... <laughs> you know the one? Yes, I do. I knew Bare Naked Ladies used it a lot as well. Yeah, and it was all over the 90s, basically. And I thought her voice was lovely, but if someone would have told me it was someone else I wouldn't have questioned it right there's not the character in there that I'd kind of hope for in an artist who was going to make a statement lovely but fundamentally unthrilling let's get to something then that for whatever else it might be called could not be called not thrilling um, let's talk about Phineas yes um, because I think you're excited to talk about Phineas if I had to guess who your guess would be it would be Phineas <laughs> okay what do you reckon of his breakout solo project the songwriting is just so strong and it had that completely upfront undiluted production style that he's brought to Billie Eilish too it's like everything is there in his voice mm. and he doesn't gild it with too much stuff even though he could and it makes everything sound huge and beautiful and kind of broken at the same time uh, yeah I just thought he was really really good yeah but my reservation about it is no matter how good he is I don't think he's a new artist. Interesting. I think it's a bit unfair labelling him as a new artist when he walked away with four Grammys pretty much with his sister, (laughs) you know, a couple of years ago. Yeah. He's not a new artist. He's a pretty established presence. I hadn't heard any of his solo stuff before. I was impressed. It was great. It was what you want to hear from a a solo project from an ensemble that you like. Yes. In that it was recognisable. Yes. Like, you could be like, oh, of course, this is the person who's produced Billie Eilish. Yeah, but I didn't feel that we were hearing outtakes from a Billie Eilish album. No. It felt like this was A-list material that he'd chosen to do himself rather than stuff that was left over. You know, you feel like Billie Eilish is gutted that he took that song for himself. Yeah, that he didn't bring that one to their project. But the fact that he has that much good material. Just insane. Well, which makes me wonder, Mike, like if he would not be your best new artist and Arlo Parks and Aruv Jaftab wouldn't be your best new... Who's topped it? Olivia Rodrigo. Ah. Definitely. I just don't see how anyone else can compete with her in terms of the impact of that record. I mean, the fact that she has been nominated, even even if she doesn't win, just nominated for Best Song, Best Record for the same track and Best Album. I think that's your good call. Yeah, this is my heart call. 
And I think you've made the wise choice here, points-wise. But, I mean, can we at least both agree that the Grammy wooden spoon should go to the Kid Leroy? (laughs) (laughs) Owl City with a backwards baseball cap is what I called Kid Leroy. There is no bottom to the depths of my disdain for Kid Leroy. (laughs) (laughs) Have they been on your your radar for long? Well, I mean, I thought I'd said this, that um, not long ago I did a 10-year retrospective of the Mixed Review. Yes, you did. And in it, I had my choice for the most... Most incredible song that I'd ever heard during the 10 years. Mm. And the very worst. And the Kid Leroy's Without You was the very worst track I'd ever (laughs) reviewed in the mixed review. I hated it. And then he did a new version of it with Miley Cyrus and made it worse. Even even worse. (laughs) There is no coming back. Which also wonderfully has so far fewer plays than the original. Right. So you're not the only one who thinks that adding Miley Cyrus... (laughs) (laughs) Made it an awful lot worse. Oh, it was the kiss of death to an already dead horse. (laughs) (laughs) What a beautiful image. So, I mean, this brings us down to the moment of truth. What's going to be your pick? Oh, because I want to win. I do like winning. (laughs) Trying to debate that the new artist who's appeared on every other category isn't the best new artist is probably a losing battle. But I feel like you followed your heart on album. I'm going to follow my heart on artist and go all in for a Rujaf tab. Okay. Let's talk forfeits. Well, if you remember last year, if anyone can delete it from their memories, it was singing the record of the year while eating a slice of toast. (laughs) I think there were options. What was the other option? Doing a TikTok dance video to record of the year. <laughs> God, what if that's driver's license? <laughs> <laughs> now, the only thing was that my daughters threatened to disown me if I did a TikTok dance video, so, which is why I chose the other one. So, um... Okay, how, now how about this? Mm-hmm. Whoever loses has to do, like, a brief cover, like a chorus cover yeah. or something of the winner of, uh, say, Record of the Year yeah, in a style of any other tracks in the general field that the other person gets to choose. Oh. So let's say it was Driver's Licence. I could ask you to put together, like, a chorus cover of Driver's Licence, but in the style of Kiss Me More. Of Doja Cat. Or Leave the Door Open. <laughs> or, or Tony Bennett and Lady Gaga. Oh, wow. Depending on what the horn libraries are like. <laughs> I like that a great deal. I think I like that too. I think that would be really fun for me. I think we have a winner. A pastiche chorus of Record of the Year in the style of one of the other nominees. (laughs) As chosen by the winner. Definitely. Because even if like Kiss Me More wins, then we can ask for a Kiss Me More cover in the style of Happier Than Ever. Yes. There's so much potential there. And so with that, we come to the end of another, well, surely should have been Grammy-nominated podcast episode, but they just didn't have the categories. <laughs> Passed over again. I mean, they're behind the times. <laughs> they are, and we deserve even more recognition than our full-page spread in Sound on Sound. And if you would like even more of our podcasting goodness, mm. then do head over to our Patreon campaign, patreon.com slash Break. Join Duncan evaluating the, the quality of Ludovico and enjoying... <laughs> More than 12 hours of 
extras and bonuses. It's hard to imagine something that could be better value. Welcome, Duncan, to The Fold. Um, and, and thank you all very much for listening. At the end of this month, on the, the 26th, my next single is coming out. Oh, fabulous. Called Lie to Me. It's great. Go listen to it. But uh, don't worry if you forget. I will be going on about it <laughs> next episode, too. And from uh, the 7th of March, I'm going to be performing at the Watermill Theatre in the UK, the, the show that I was doing when COVID hit first time. Oh, wow. Uh, the Wicker Husband. Right. A really fun new musical. So if you happen to be anywhere near there, um, do come by and say hi. And if you have any questions to fill the mailbag even more overflowing than it is, to put on top of the full mailbag, mm. then do feel free to email us at tbreak at projectstudiotbreak.com. You can also tweet us at twitter.com forward slash PSTB tweets or facebook.com forward slash PSTB books or ring Mike on his personal phone number if you can find <laughs> it. That's a sort of like fun little Easter egg that would have set out for you. Um, <laughs> so with that said, thank you so very, very much for listening and um, to our pets. To our pets.